Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Do you look at life as this is exciting? This is fulfilling, even though it involves work. Do you understand that what God wants to do in our lives is make this thing we call life enjoyable? By the way, it can only happen with Him. Sometimes we get in ruts. And life, with its amazing things that God's put into it, we just bore it to death. Boredom destroys many marriages. Humans tend to prefer predictability. Too much change too often tends to leave some people unsettled inside, feeling chaotic about their lives. Some variations to the daily routine, however, can be good. It's the same way with marriage. The same thing, day after day, can begin to grind on at least one partner's nerves. Pastor Mark will be teaching you that God didn't intend for marriages or life to be mundane. You'll hear how God originally intended Adam and Eve to live their lives. You'll come to understand that God's thinking about marriage and life is still the same. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 19 as he continues his series, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. So the next thing you want to write is why we have children. God designed the home, marriage, as the basic building block of all society. So when Adam and Eve would have children, and God would begin to talk to Adam and Eve, the children, when they're old enough, say, who are you talking to, Dad? Who are you talking to, Mom? Well, that's God. Well, who is God? He's the one that created you. So God's goal was to have a mom and a dad who knew God, to have children who would eventually know God personally because they watched mom and dad and go, well, that's the way to live. And pretty soon, that would be the foundation from the whole world. Now, I want to ask you a question. When that happens, and Satan knows that the home is the foundation from the world, what do you think Satan's going to try to do? He's going to try to destroy the home. Let me ask you a question. How's he doing? He's doing very well, thank you. Well, why? We're going to learn why today. And when we go into the garden, you're going to see how that actually works. All the temptation, all of those things together. So, first thing is, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with children. Make family, that home, that basic building block. What was the second thing? Notice he said to Adam and Eve, you're to govern and you're to manage, number one, your own lives. But then you're to manage the earth in all the animals and all the resources I'm giving you. Turn with me to Genesis 2.15. You're one chapter away. How will that work? How do we manage things? 
How do we govern things to make them pleasing to God? Our family, our lives, our children, our world, our resources. Well, we discover how in verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to circle it, work it, and take care of it. Here are more directions, more instructions from God. Now, God would provide for Adam and Eve everything. You saw that. I've given you everything. But they would have to, four-letter word, work. W-O-R-K. Now, I want you to know something. Some of you tomorrow morning will get up and you'll say this. I wish Adam and Eve hadn't sinned. I wouldn't have to go to work. I hate work. You need to know verse 15 is before there's any sin. So what does that mean? That means that work is good for us. And by the way, marriage is a lifetime of hard W-O-R-K. How do I know? 44 years in moving. That's how I know. So work is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. See, in our country today, we're like weird. 65, I can't wait to never work again. No, you can retire, but you need to still work. See, we need to be active. And so work is actually good for us. Now, someone has written that statement we just read about take care of the animals and all this very creatively. Listen to this. It's all yours, Adam, Eve. Take care of it. Rule over it. Study it. Learn from it, develop it, have a ball, enjoy yourself, go exploring, crack open a coconut, plant a garden, grow some vegetables. It's paradise. It's brand new. And I've made it just for you. Is that the way you look at life? Do you look at life as this is exciting? This is fulfilling? Even though it involves work? Do you understand that what God wants to do in our lives is make this thing we call life enjoyable. By the way, it can only happen with him. Sometimes we get in ruts. And life, with its amazing things that God's put into it, we just bore it to death. Boredom destroys many marriages. So I want to challenge you today to understand what an amazing God we have who loved his creation enough to put a man and a woman together And say to them, here's marriage, have families, and rule the world, including yourself. Now, to be able to work and to follow through and govern and to raise children, well, it would require some rules, some commandments, some direction, so that we could do life right. Everything that we see so far, God says, do this, do this, do this. Look down in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. In other words, do this. Explore the trees. Let's say there were 600,000 trees in the garden. We have no idea. Let's say there were 600,000. The next statement you're going to see from God is, do this, but don't do this. You have 600,000 trees to enjoy. Spend your life just having a ball. But one of them, don't go by it. Don't get around it. Don't take from it. Leave it alone. Now, some of you would still say, after 600 yeses, one no. Well, God's a mean God. 
He's an angry God. He's a stingy God. What is wrong with you? No, he's a great God. And so most of the commands that we have from God are do this. Because God knew what was right. But he does give us, don't do this. Why? Not because he's bad, because he's good. Look at verse 17. But you must not eat, don't do this, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, he even tells them what will happen. You will surely die. You see, God the creator, man the created being, means that God had the right to tell man what he could do and what he could not do. Why did God give one no? Why did he give one negative command? For a very important reason. God was giving Adam and Eve the gift of freedom, the gift of choice. Now, what if every baby came with a cord in their back? And when you pulled that cord, it said, Daddy, I love you. And you pulled it again, Mommy, I love you. And they're 46, Daddy, I love you. And Mommy, I love you. I mean, how many with a baby like that would just love to hold that little three-month-old and goes, Daddy, I love you. Oh, it's so, it's so warm to my heart. No, you'd be weird. Because that's a robot. I mean, you can buy Elmo at the store if you want to. So God didn't make us like robots. He gave us choice. You see, as we're doing marriage, as we're doing life, God wanted Andy and Ann to say, hey, we love you. We love following you. Thanks for the directions. Not, I love you, God. I love you, God. That meant nothing, just like it would mean nothing to you. So God gave Adam and Eve the choice to be the boss themselves or to submit to God and let him be the boss. That's where our problem comes. We shared with you about the problems we have in our life. God gave the first no command because there was already somebody in the garden, Satan. Satan had already said to God, I'm not interested in serving you. Satan was already in the garden, ready with temptation. And so God gave that to protect Adam and Eve. You see, if we choose to sin, we're choosing to suffer. Now, what's the problem? Why would I choose this? In you and in me is a sin nature. In my sinful nature, it's not the little eye like iPhone, iPad. It's the big eye. I boss. I expect you to do this. Why? Because I expect it. The one that's most difficult for us is this third one. I selfish. Me, do something for you, not a chance. And last, there it is. I change you. Why? You're wrong and I'm right. Affection, forget it. Sex. You just saw it. Pull the chain. So how do we fight that? That's the problem we're going to have. That's my nature. That's my nature in marriage. Now, it wasn't there yet. It won't be there until they choose I boss. So why did God give us no commands? Write this down. 
God gives us no commands to make life and marriage pleasurable. He knew the outcome of you and I trying to do life and marriage like I wanted to. He knew that we would be selfish. He knew that we'd try to be the boss. He knew that we would usurp authority. He knew what would happen, and he goes, no, no, you can't do it that way. Now, as we look around at our world today, most of our world outside the church, our friends, our relatives that aren't Christians, they do marriage very different. They do marriage like you see on the stage right now. There's no God in their marriage. They, they might believe in God, but they don't have a personal relationship with God. So most of the people in the world do marriage just as a twosome. No God, nobody there to help them and direct them. And of course, if there's no God, then most of the people in the world not only don't have a personal relationship with God, they don't even know there's instructions how to do marriage. They have no clue how to do marriage. The other day, our air conditioner went funky or whatever. So I'm trying to find that book. You know, it's all these buttons you push, and I'm not, like, really good with that. Well, I found this little cheat sheet, and I got it out, and I figured out how to push it and get it back working. Now, what if that little cheat sheet hadn't been there? I'd be, and I'd be in hot 100 degrees in the house. Can't figure it to work. That's how people do their marriage today. No God, no instructions. Now, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing marriage counseling for 40 years. When I see that happening, I can tell you what's going to happen in a marriage with no God and no biblical instruction. Here's two words that always happen. Chaos and disaster. And that's why many of you here, divorce after divorce, affair, lost your virginity, all kinds of other stuff happening, miserable. Why? No God, no instructions. Now, what about the church? What about Christians? How does that work? Well, for most Christ followers, it's different. Here's why. For most Christ followers, I mean, obviously, Christ is in their marriage. They're Christ followers. They know there's a God. They've personally accepted Jesus Christ. And if they go to an evangelical church that teaches the Word of God, they know there's commandments. So they have God. They have the Word of God. They know the do's and they know the don'ts. Well, then let me ask you a question. Why is the divorce rate in the church equal to the divorce rate in the world? One reason, they have a personal relationship with God. They have the commandments. They just don't do them. There's no other reason. There's no other reason. Now, I can say this to you because I've been doing it for a long time. If you'll have a personal relationship with God, if you'll obey God's directions on marriage, I can guarantee you of one thing. Oh, you won't have a perfect marriage, but you will have a good marriage. If you individually, as a husband and a wife, have a personal relationship with God, and that's vibrant in your life, you're growing. Not perfect, but you're growing. I can guarantee you this. You will never divorce. And you will have a good marriage. You will not have a perfect marriage like Lynn and I have. <laughs> you know better than that, don't you? As I told you, this year, 44 years for us, we have our weeks. Really, she does, because I'm perfect. <laughs> I can say that because she's not here. No, we have our weeks. Sometimes we don't get along. 
Sometimes it's iron sharpening iron. And by the way, there's seasons of life, too, that sometimes you go through the rough things. But see, we've made a covenant with God, not a contract. And we are going to honor that covenant. Now, sometimes we say this to our spouse, I love you, but today I don't like you. Ever been there? Again tonight? If you love me. Well, let me take that back. I don't even love you tonight. So we're right with you guys. We're right in the boat with you. But I can guarantee you this. If you have a relationship with God, and if you know the word, that's why we're teaching it, and if you will obey it, you will have a good marriage. Not perfect, but you will absolutely have a good marriage. Now, here's the problem. Many of you are not even believers. You can't do life unless you have a personal relationship with God. The first thing to solve your problem in life is not a marriage counselor. It's God. And you come to him, you get saved, you get born again, and God begins to change your life. So as we look at this, everything we have from God is perfect. The design is perfect. The directions are clear. Now, what are more of the directions? Well, let's get to them right now. How do we make this really, really, really blessed? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we will see some more instructions. Now, those of you that really never opened the Bible before because you're not used to coming to church, this is going to be all new to you. For some of you who've come to church, this isn't really new, but it's a great reminder because we really don't like to do these things. But these are instructions from the creator of marriage, God. Ephesians chapter 5, here's how to bring order and blessing into our marriages. Verse 21, submit to one another. Submit, hard to some of us can't say that word. Submit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we don't like that term in our society today, but it's a key term that brings order and blessing to every part of our lives. So, notice right off the bat, submission is mutual. It's not talking about husband and wife. It's mutual. It's everybody. And it really means to submit to God first and then to each other. So write this down, and then I'll give you the definition. First command from God. This is a do one. Do submit to God, and do submit to each other. Husbands, wives, rulers, bosses, church, anything that has order, there has to be an attitude and an action of submission. Now, what is submission? Here's a definition you may want to write. It's a loving attitude that wants to cooperate. It really is a military term, which means to place in proper order. In other words, the husband and the wife would say like this to God, God, I submit myself to you. I put myself under your care. And then they say to each other as spouses, I put yourself under you and you put yourself under me as we put ourselves under God. Now notice that definition. Submission is a loving attitude that wants to cooperate an action and an attitude. It's not just an attitude. Sometimes uh, if you tell your kids, in our day, we, we were bad, we had to go to the corner. Today it's like time out or whatever you guys use. So you tell your kid, time out. Go sit in the corner. So he goes in the corner, he sits down. And you go, well, he's finally submitted. Well, he may have submitted on the outside. But 
He, when he's sitting in the corner, he's standing up right at you. You know what I mean with a four-year-old? You know what I mean, don't you? So let me ask you, is that submission? No, that's not submission. So later when we get to the husband and wife, they have to submit to each other. All right, I'll submit to you. It's a willing attitude, can't you tell? No, that doesn't work. It's always a willing attitude and an action that follows through. Now, as you begin to think about that, what does that mean? What is submission? It means we put the needs of our spouse above our own. It means we put the needs of God above our own. God, boss, me, servant. So first, that verse that you just read is mutual. It means that both spouses seek God's will and submit to it. They both do. Now, would God's will be divorce? No, it would not be. There are reasons for divorce. Ongoing adultery, abuse, battery, drugs, alcohol, physical abuse. That just is ongoing, ongoing. But that's the rare exception. God gives us some reasons. But normally, it's never going to be that. Next, the spouses then submit to each other. They seek the other's best. As both spouses submit to God first, and then to each other, they put the needs of their spouse above them. What happens? God looks good. Our marriages flourish, and they grow. So why would God say right off the bat, mutual submission? You want to write this down. Here's why. Submission defeats I selfish, I boss. As we seek each other's best, together we are living testimonies to the power of God. Because I can't do that without God helping me. Anything that God asks us to do, He equips us to do it. When I came here to start this church, I'd started another church, but I'd never been a pastor of church. It wasn't my goal. When I came here, one of the things that I knew, that I absolutely knew when I started this, if God was calling me here to be the pastor, even though I didn't have the ability, he would equip me to do it. That continues to this day. Two sermons a week, 100 sermons, 2,000 sermons. Where does the freshness, where does the newness, where does the anointing come from every week? The same God that started with me 18 years ago. Now, in your marriage, where will the ability to do it successfully come from? It will not come from you. It will come from the God who created you. So you can't sit here today and say, no way I can submit. That's I selfish, I boss. If you submit to God, you can. Today, Pastor Mark taught about more effects of Adam and Eve's fall into sin, the messing up of the male and female relationships. You heard about how the smooth sailing life became white water rapids of turmoil. You learned how the devil influenced Adam and Eve and how his plan for you is the same as it was for them. You also heard some of how God wants to help you fix those problems. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will be wrapping up this portion of his teaching, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. You'll hear a word that has gotten a bum rap, submission. You'll hear the correct biblical definition of this word and how it's a requirement for all people. You'll also learn how it's biblically applied to a marriage relationship and the benefits of working this out in your life. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team, your Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.